Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome Chris Davis, the A's slugger, who will talk to us about his pursuit of a new career high in home runs. And then AAA National Manager Fran Reardon joins us to talk about his club season and Jesus Lazardo. Finally, John Shea and I talk about the A's final homestand and the rest of the way for the playoff hopeful Oakland A's. Next on A's Plus. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Today on A's Plus, we are very excited to welcome in A's uh, DH, Chris Davis. Chris is leading the majors in home runs, but I know, Chris, for you having been here um, for some down years, uh, what's it like to now be part of a team that's in contention and and currently in a playoff spot? Uh, It's exciting and uh, fun. Uh, That's a lot of, that's the mood around the clubhouse, and uh, we like to keep it light, you know, and have fun, whatever. Whatever day it is, uh, we just try to do that. The last time I talked to you uh, for this podcast was in spring training. We had a brief little chat. Would you have thought at this that point in spring training that you guys would be in this position now, especially knowing how many pitchers you've, you've lost to injuries over the years? Yeah, it's been a challenge, but that's uh, kind of what we were expecting each other to go out there and compete. And we've done that on a daily basis, just going out and winning ball games. So... Um, yeah, it was. Um, I could. I, I saw it happening, and um, just some of what we did last year, we we had some confidence. Uh, how would you say? What would you say has really been the key for this team so far this year, particularly offensively? Uh, offensively, it's just been um, timely hitting. We've been scoring runs late in ball games, uh, big innings. We've had big innings. Uh, you know, we just. Uh, one through nine, it's just been a tough, productive lineup. Obviously, you, you this year you've been hitting behind Jed Lowry again. You've had Matt Olson behind you. You always have lots of nice things to say about them. But but what is it like hitting behind a guy like Jed Lowry you know is going to get on base at the kind of pace he does? Uh, I'm learning a lot from Jed. Um, I watch him between every pitch, uh, just how consistently he's on time. Uh, great hand-eye coordination, um, some of the best I've ever seen, and uh, he's one of the best ping-pong players in the clubhouse, so 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm uh, just uh, just happy for him. He's he's reached a lot of milestones this year, and um, I'm thankful. He's one of the reasons why I have a hundred plus RBIs. Now you've got Olson behind you. What what kind of um, uh, protection do you think Olson's providing with kind of the you're the big right-handed bat, he's the big left-handed bat. What's it like having him behind you, and how do you sort of see his development over this past year plus? Uh, he's um, he's been great. Uh, clutch uh, clutch homers. He's he's stepping it up. Uh, definitely, pitchers are more scared of him. Just how dynamic and how he can change the game. So. Um, I'm just hopefully on base for him so he can knock me in. You guys have added, obviously, a lot of players over the course of the year. Um, anybody kind of jump out at you, some of the new faces here that have, have really contributed to the team? Uh, Luke Croy and Chapman, our corners infield has just been spectacular on the defense. Uh, they're definitely both gold glove candidates when I look out there, like just uh, definitely LaCroix behind the plate, too, because uh, just that defensive uh, change out there, it's just him being able to handle the pitchers, call the game. He's been here before, and uh, he likes being that leader. So, um, yeah, LaCroix. Yeah, you guys played together in Milwaukee, too. I'm assuming when he came over, you knew that he was a guy who potentially could have a big impact with the pitching yeah, staff. Yeah, like I said, I saw it in spring training. As soon as they made that move, I, I thought they were making moves to get better, you know, and that was one of those moves we got better. How do you feel things have gone for you this year being in the DH role, which obviously you've been used to playing in the outfield, but this year primarily DHing. Was that an adjustment for you? Yeah, it has been. Um, it's uh, It's been slower, definitely, so just not as much action on the field, but um, it's been fun at the same time just because we've won so many ball games and I've contributed. Um, so just that uh, alone, I'm happy where I'm at. What, what do you do kind of in the downtime's maybe the wrong way to put it, but in between at bats, what do you, does that give you more time to maybe look at video or do yeah. some other things to prepare for your next at bat? Yeah, I like to look, look at video. I like to hit in the cage and ride the bike, just whatever I can to stay on my feet. Uh, and. Uh, just try to stay locked in and follow the game. This year, um, it seems like you are also becoming a better all-around hitter. It's probably always been there, but you know, you're walking more, your on-base percentage is up, your clutch hitting stats are, are off the charts. Is there anything different that you're doing this year that has made you a more all-around hitter? Uh, no, I just feel like I'm more experienced. I think. Uh, the more reps I get, the better I come. And just playing against the best competition makes me better. That's when I'm at my best. Now, everybody loves home runs, of course. You've tied your career high with 43. Um, every home run helps a team. But is setting a new career high, is that even something that you think about when 10 games left in the season? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I thought about every year. And um, I've been able to surprise myself every year. So That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, now, I know the front office has talked about the fact that they would like to do an extension with you. Um, you've talked a lot about liking being here in Oakland, but what is it about being here? What, why, why are you such a good fit here, which you obviously are? Uh, the conditions, I think I'm, I'm built for the Coliseum. Like, I don't need all the like high-tech, fancy stuff to get the job done. I just want to go out there and compete and give it an opportunity, and they've get, done that. 
um, for me here. Um, and I looked at the conditions around here and I, I knew it could work right away. So right when I got here, I felt like my attitude was right where it needed to be. And I just felt like I was in the right place. Yeah, it's kind of an underrated and uh, overlooked, under the radar team, town, all of that. And I know you're a guy who doesn't necessarily look for attention. You're kind of a nice fit in that respect too. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, it just fits, and I like where I'm at. Awesome. Chris Davis, thanks so much for joining us on A's Plus. All right. Today on A's Plus, we are delighted to welcome in AAA Nashville manager Fran Reardon. Fran, um, welcome to A's Plus, and tell us your first year at AAA uh, with the Nashville Sounds. Uh, overall, what was your evaluation of, of uh, the team and kind of your first year managing there? Well, I, I'd have to say my first year managing in AAA was probably my best baseball experience to date. Uh, just the level of play, um, the uh, association with the major league team as far as transactions sending players up having players come down to maybe work on a few things to, to get them back to big league ready um, being around the highest caliber of baseball in the minor leagues on an everyday basis seeing great players in our organization as well as great players in other organizations and uh, just that, that combination just made it a wonderful first year managing AAA for me. How do you balance sort of the development part of the job versus the you know the, the obvious desire and, and need really to win since the organization does want you know the different levels to win to instill that into players? I think just just finding little things that can maybe help individual players with their development. Uh, they're they're at a point where they're pretty close to being major league ready, and some of them are just need the opportunity. Um, but maybe there's a little thing that's holding it back here, a little thing that's holding it back there. Just trying to identify those things the best I can and having our staff try to identify those things the best that we can as a group and, and working on them. And at the same time, you know, making, making them aware that performance does matter and, and uh, cultivating a winning atmosphere does matter as much at the AAA level that it, it does at the big league level. So that was, a, that was an everyday challenge for sure. At Nashville this year, it looked like the, the team really improved as the season went along, which is, it seems like it might be a tough thing at AAA because you got so many players coming and going. And really, in the second half, a lot of the guys who have performed well, ostensibly, would probably in the, be in the major leagues as the big league team is added. What was it kind of, you know, you guys went on that really nice run at one point. What fueled that? I think it was a combination of a lot of things. You know, you had the the development of Sheldon Noisy, who really got off to a slow start, but ended up hitting 300 in the second half, and he was getting a lot of big hits. Um, you know, Jorge Mateo's development defensively and on the bases really helped us do a lot, do a lot of things as a team because he's such an exciting player. We had we had great starting pitching because of the the influx of the the 40-man guys that have come down and, and helped our starting rotation. Guys like Daniel Mangden and Frankie Montas and and Chris Bassett. Um, you know, we had Jesus Lazardo come up and make a couple of really nice starts for us. And another starter, Eric Yokish, who was very consistent for us all year. But that 15-game stretch was just kind of an organic thing that the guys really bought into and the guys really took pride in. And it, it was just an exciting thing to be a part of. That looked amazing. Uh, I'm sure everybody is going to want me to ask you a little bit more about Jesus Lazardo. What were your impressions of him? Well, you, you look at him, first of all, and you look at his stuff, you know, whether it's him throwing a side or him pitching in a game, and he just has electric stuff, and we're talking about number one starter, major league stuff. Uh, and then you look at his demeanor on the mound when he pitches, and he's completely unfazed by anything that happens. 
Uh, he attacks the strike zone. Uh, he has he has plus off speed pitches, and he really has an idea of what he's doing out there. His pitchability is very high, and it's only going to get get better as he matures and, and gets older. So it was just a, a lot of fun to be around, and uh, I think the A's future looks very bright in, in Jesus Lazardo. Were there any other the other younger players who maybe came up sort of in the second half that jumped out at, at you? Well, you know, we, we started off with a lot of young players that obviously made some strides. Ramon Laureano hit the ground running and never never really stopped. Um, Jorge Mateo spent the entire season with us all year and continued to make strides. Um, th there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, our younger prospects that were coming up to, to join us, whether at the All-Star break. Uh, you, you look at Sean Murphy at the end of the year coming up and, you know, catching four games for us and just seeing his development over the course of the year. He had the handmade injury, but coming back and having a chance to be around him in AA last year to how he's grown and how he's improved both offensively and defensively this year was a lot of fun. And he's obviously going to be a very special catcher in the, in the major league. So hey, there, there's a, a few examples for you right there. It, it, you had a, just an extraordinary number of really good outfielders this year. That must have been kind of fun to watch because the A's really got the, the benefit of a lot of it. Obviously, Dustin Fowler was back and forth. Nick Martini had such a nice start there and then came up here and, and really produced. And of course, Loriano has just been sensational. What, what was it like for you managing uh, outfielders, uh, especially a collection like that? Well, you have the, the names you just mentioned, and then B.J. Boyd, who had a good year for us, and Boog Powell, who you know, really struggled with injuries this year, but was able to make an impact when he played for us. It was, it was a nice problem to have. You know, at, at any time, we, we would have five, possibly six outfielders that were fantastic athletes, could hit, you know, left-handed, right-handed, um, could, could play just plus defense out there, and just uh, making sure that you, you, you got them playing time and making sure that you, you, you balanced who was in there and, and who wasn't on a day-to-day -day basis. It was a very good problem to have. And then you sprinkle in Anthony Garcia, who hit, hit 25 home runs for us and Jeez. just had a, a monster year for us. It was, it was really fun. That's amazing. I'm assuming what Loriano has done at this level has not surprised you after watching him in Nashville. I have a different perspective of Rome because I saw him quite a bit last year in the Texas League, you know, wearing an Astros uniform, and uh, he's he's totally transformed himself. He's been on a journey of just hard work and, and dedication to his craft and improving in every aspect of his game, and you could see it in spring training this year, uh, his, his routine, his, his focus, his just flat-out desire to be a major leaguer, and it carried over when, when he came back from his rehab after breaking his hand in spring training. Uh, he hit the ground running in AAA, never stopped, um, ended up with power, ended up with speed numbers, ended up with incredible defensive numbers in the outfield, throwing out 14 runners on the bases to, to lead the PCL and outfield assists. And all that stuff is seemingly carried over, and it has to do with his confidence, it has to do with his preparation, and most of all, it has to do with the, the type of player he has and the skill set that he has. Yeah, he's been, I mean, just a, what an addition, and I think a surprise to A's fans, but uh, every, everyone's absolutely loving it. Now, the one of the harder things, I think, probably for a AAA manager is dealing with guys who get sent back down and are maybe a little disappointed about that. How, how do you deal with guys who, who maybe expect to have a big league job or stay in the big league a little bit longer when they come back? I think everybody's different in how they handle things, and there's two ways to handle a demotion. Um, and you can go the, the way you should go, which is, hey, I need to improve, I need to get better. Or you can go the other way, which is to sulk and, and feel sorry for yourself. And to, to our organization's credit, we had a lot of guys who, who went the, the first way. They just understood, hey, 
you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm going to work to get better, and hopefully I'll get another opportunity. And that, that was the case. As, as far as how I, I handled it, I, I think I would watch the guy. I would watch the player. I would try to get to know him. Uh, and if he needed space, give him space. Maybe talk to him on the second or third day he was in town as opposed to the first day he gets in and, you know, kind of bombard him with another you know, set of meetings or uh, expectations. And I think that for the most part, guys did a great job of working on things to get them back to the next level. You can look at a guy like Liam Hendricks, uh, who just is night and day from where he started when he got sent down to where he ends up today, you know, starting the game against Tampa. So there's a countless examples of that, and I, I think it's a real credit to the players we have in this organization. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting that this was the case with Bruce Maxwell. Obviously, he's had a, a very tough season, and he's gone through a lot. But what did you see was going on with Bruce? Because obviously, he had a disappointing season once he went back to Nashville as, you know, kind of continuation of what was going on here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Bruce is obviously shown that he can play at a very high level. Um, and catching is so thin in this game, I think that he will have a job if he if he continues to work and continues to, to make some changes to make himself the player that I think everyone knows he can be. Um, it, it wasn't an easy transition for him from you know the, a major league job to a minor league job, but he still worked. Um, unfortunately, the results weren't there for him. You know, from the time he got sent down, and I know he struggled with that because it's that's a real struggle. So I, I wish nothing but the best for him, and you know, I hope he has a great off season. I know he has a lot of good things going on in his personal life that he can look forward to, and kind of maybe put put to put to bed this 2018 season that was a, a real struggle for him. He could wind up being a nice kind of bounce back story next year, I think. Yeah, that'd be nice, really nice to see. Uh, what has it been like for you being here with the team on this road trip? I mean, I love it. I mean, anytime you can be around a, a major league atmosphere, especially these guys who have fought all year to put themselves in a great position to, to be in the playoffs, it's uh, I'm just soaking it all in. Uh, the, the fact that I think 21 out of the roster that we have in Oakland now at, at some point come through Nashville is something special to me just because uh, you know, I know these guys. <laughs> I, 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 I see them as guys who... You know, I talk to them about their families and their personal lives and watch them grow and watch them develop and watch them maybe rehab an injury and, and fight through a lot of things to get back to this level or get to this level for the first time. So it's a very uh, rewarding feeling for me, and it's a lot of fun to watch these guys play every night. Yeah, speaking of which, just as you're, we're talking about that, Bo, Bo Taylor walked by, and that's I was very pleased when Bo got called up because I know what he's gone through, and I'm sure you, you feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can't root for a guy like Bo Taylor, you can't root for anything in this game because he's he's a special one. He's he's a first of all, he's a great player. Uh, he's he's a lot of fun to be around every day. He he takes what he does very seriously, and at the same time, he knows how to have fun and and really enjoy the, the just great career that he's had and he's going to have. Bo standing right next to us as he's as saying that, but I think that's all probably too no spot. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very nice way to sum things up. Thanks for joining us, Fran Reard. All right, thanks. Today on the Shea Hay portion of the A's Plus podcast, uh, John Shea and I are actually in the same place for once, uh, sitting in the A's dugout for the uh, last couple of home games of the season. John, what have have you thought about this final homestand so far and and, uh, this last coming up series against the Twins? 
Well, I expected more people to come out. <laughs> I mean, every time I say that, uh, a flood of A's always complain to me about why do you always bring up attendance. Uh, well, you bring up attendance because you should think it would be greater than it is now. And the Wednesday game, I walked around the ballpark uh, just to soak it all in. And it was a great atmosphere. I, I walked to the upper deck, uh, in and around the treehouse, uh, made the circle. And what a beautiful night for baseball. And it's mid to late September, and the best story in baseball, yeah. the Oakland A's. Best and story in Bay Area sports, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 49ers and Raiders might have rough years. Who knows? But uh, the Warriors haven't tipped off yet, and that's going to overtake everything, obviously. But uh, the Giants are going nowhere, and they might get rid of a lot of people in the offseason. The A's are building up to prominence in, in a real special way. And... Uh, Matt Chapman early on in the season, early, just maybe a month or two ago, made a plea to fans, hey, come on out, we're an exciting story. And it, it had a spike after that a little bit. But yeah, kids are back in school. Uh, it, you know, it's early in the week. Uh, the first uh, game of this homestand was pretty chilly, but it was beautiful the next game. And, you know, but anyway, obviously that, that it's a stadium and we all know the, the stories. But on the field, it's, it's still great. The A's lost four out of five, but, but did win the Wednesday game in uh, big fashion, 10-0. So they're uh, hoping to peak at the right time here by finishing strong. And they finish on the road. And that's probably a good thing because they, their offense just comes alive as it did in this Wednesday game. It's good for everybody, but Trevor Cahill. Um, yeah, the attendance thing, we've talked about the attendance thing a little bit before, and I, I want to make sure people know that it's not, like we never mean to bash A's fans, or certainly anyone individually. Everyone knows that people have commitments and jobs and kids in schools, but uh, you know, there just aren't enough, I think. That's the problem. There aren't enough collectively, and I think we've, we've talked about the reasons for that. The high turnover, uh, the stadium, the, you know, the fact that the A's tried to move for several years and to other spots in the Bay Area. Uh, it's, it's rough for people. Their, their fan base has dwindled to the point where uh, there just aren't enough, and it's tough to ask people to make up for that lack in uh, of bulk, really. Uh, one of the A's players was telling me before the game, he had lunch in Berkeley the other day, walked around for a couple hours, didn't see a single A's cap, but saw many, many, many Giants caps in Berkeley, and he was he was sad about that. And I think that's the thing that is the players, it's coming from a good spot, the players want support. They want to be able to share this with people. So uh, uh, I don't know if there's anything people can do to, to come out for that final series against the Twins, if you're hearing this now. Please make every extra effort because uh, the players really deserve it for the season they've had. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, they would love to see it. Bob Melvin talks all the time about, hey, if we have 20,000, it seems like 40,000. If we have uh, 15,000, it seems like 30,000 because the fans who come out are, are great. But you, you, ownership has... Has, has kind of alienated the fans yes. so long, trying to move out of Oakland, trying to criticize the Coliseum, trying to, uh, you know, deal this guy, deal that guy, going back to Donaldson and Cespedes uh, on that great 14 team. But there are more, you know, there are giant dugout stores in the East Bay. I don't think there's any um, presence of any A's stores in, in San Francisco or the North Bay. Uh, I mean, ownership canceled FanFest one year. Are you serious? I mean, that's the time you sell season tickets. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, you can go on and on. Canceling FanFest is just ridiculous. But I think 
The management has a little better idea these days on what fans uh, could appreciate. They've done a lot. FanFest is much better out at uh, Jack London Square. And, you know, they've done everything except uh, draw bigger bigger crowds. So and a new stadium would do that. Who knows if it'll ever happen. But uh, on the field, it, it's still a great story. Still, uh, the, the offense is producing. The, the defense is good enough. The bullpen is lights out. And every once in a while, we see some great pitching, including uh, Brett Anderson in the Wednesday night game. Yeah, that was uh, pretty interesting, too. He threw only three sliders all night, threw 40 change-ups, mm -hmm. just went sinker change-up, and, uh, and it worked. You know, I guess you just keep using that until it's not as effective, and then you switch up, and it just kept being effective. Six and two-thirds, first A started to work uh, past six innings in 26 games, which wow. partly is explained by the fact that they have used an opener uh, six times. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty. Uh, he, Brett Anderson is not the guy you would usually peg for being the guy that would work so deep. You know, he's he's had several outings this year where he hasn't made it out of the second inning. So, uh, really, really nice job for him. The A's need more of that because the bullpen is showing a little bit of signs of wear and tear. Mm. Partly because they've they've had so many of these opening games, I think. Uh, but they uh, in the three games at Tampa or the three games before Wednesday, I should say, they've given up 18 runs. So, uh, any concerns there for you with a with over work not just with the bullpen but the regulars the A's position players they're getting run out every single day for obvious reasons they have to be the A's are an important position uh, but we're seeing some guys Jed Lowry who's one of the older players is, is kind of in a little bit of a funk lately he had the big double last night um, but yeah I think there are some guys that are showing maybe a little sign of signs of fatigue yeah you're right and maybe they rest them in the final week there's a clinching possibility this weekend if not then maybe early in the homestand and then you're gonna have several days where they could rest uh, Simeon wants to play every day Larry wants to play every day despite his age um, Piscotti you, you go around the horn uh, Lucroy is a workhorse and you know they have multiple catchers but he wants to be out there he's He's kind of a cog in this system who is the common denominator coming here in uh, spring training as the catcher. All they had was Maxwell and Fegley, and he's really solidified not just the catching position, but the, the rotation, the bullpen, and the lineup. It's, he's been an amazing add to this team, and nobody ever talks about him uh, in the MVP race or MVP of the team, but he just might be uh, considering everything he's done. But I, I think there's going to be time uh, to rest. I think the, the question of the hour is once they do clinch and once they get their rotation set for the postseason, well, will there be a, a rotation for the postseason? That's the question. Who's going to start in New York in the wild card game, Susan? I, well, I think you've called it. You, you wrote in the Chronicle a week or maybe even two weeks ago that you think it might be a bullpen game. I, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, you know, get those guys in there early and often. It's Every inning is going to be big. We've seen how effective bullpen games can be against lineups because that's what shut the A's down in Tampa. Uh, the, the A's really got thrown off their game. It, they're th they were seeing a different guy every at bat almost all of them throwing 95 to 97 miles an hour, and they just didn't hit in that series. The A's uh, have noticed that, and I think you were right on the money when you said that's the reason they started doing it when they did it, to, to get guys kind of used to this role, and I absolutely, um, I, I'm leaning toward the, the, we will see Liam Hendricks starting a wild card game. I really think that that's very possible. It, well, they're two and four in games that Liam Hendricks has started. Now, all six of his starts, he threw a scoreless first inning 
so don't blame him for the four losses. But, well, the first game he did give up a couple runs in the second inning. But ever since, he's only been a one-inning uh, pitcher, and that's fine. But let, here's the fear. You go back to the Monday game, the opener of this homestand. He threw. He throws a, a quick seven-pitch first inning or whatever to, against the Angels. Gets Trout out for the final out, and then here here comes Daniel Megden. Four innings, gives up one home run. Gives, gives up one run, the home run to uh, to Trout, and then he comes out, and it's chaos in the sixth inning when the Angels went from down four-one to up seven-four. So that's the fear. Why not leave Daniel Mengden in for a fifth inning? You still haven't faced that third time around the lineup, and that's the whole idea of this drill is for the normal starter not to face the lineup a third time because statistically that shows that uh, it's just not up to par. The, the batters have the advantage. So, uh, you know, I'm second-guessing after the fact. I didn't say it at the time, so maybe this isn't fair of me to do, but but that sixth inning when, when you know, Kelly and Trevino and everybody came in and nobody could get a third out, that was an issue. That's when the game turned. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think the A's have quite figured out how to exactly go about it perfectly. Uh, it has worked a few times. Magnet seems really good in that. Yes. In that, whatever we're calling it, follower role. Dan Brown suggested second slinger, which I kind of like. Uh, nobody seems to have a real. Uh, they, they, they call it the bulk guy in Tampa, which I really hate. Magnet's calling it the bridge guy. The bridger. The bridger. Yeah. The bridger. Yeah. So, uh, I. I I think he seems like he shined in it, but I'm not sure anybody else necessarily has got the knack so far. It's tough. It's not a not a usual rule. Well, it, 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 fast forward to that game at Yankee Stadium, and it seems all arrows are pointing in that direction. Uh, how far the A's are as we speak, and how many games are left as we speak. And if it gets to that point where Liam Hendricks goes the opener, then what do you do? Maybe do you give? Blake trying in a couple innings. Do you, do you do do we know that Trevino is going to be at his best? I mean, he has struggled. Um, you you need eight more innings. Yeah, and Familia's not been in his best this month. Uh, there there are a lot of guys who are uh, who were nails for much of the way and really keys for why the A's have done so well, who have not been at their best necessarily this month. Well, I'd like Mengden. Maybe go with uh, you know the opener for one inning and then Mengden for five. Um, you look at all the other starters, you know, Jackson, Fires, those two in particular have given up a bunch of home runs in very few innings. Uh, Fires, you know, is a fly ball pitcher. You don't want to be that guy at Yankee Stadium with the short porch. Uh, Cahill, like you said, doesn't pitch well on the road. Anderson, uh, he, he, he threw a two-hit shutout years ago at Yankee Stadium. Does he go? But they have so many powerful right-handers. Uh, in that lineup, what do you do? So it's a, it's good, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. I have no idea what the answer, but I guess neither of us would be surprised if Liam Hendricks is the uh, playoff opener. I wouldn't be surprised if we see nine pitchers in that game. Mm. No, yeah, we, we've seen it before. We, we saw eight just the other day, uh, and and is it nine the record for a nine inning game for for the A's? So. Heck, we could see 12 if it's anything as ridiculous as that game in Kansas City, the wild card game in 14. Absolutely. What, what are your thoughts on this um, final road trip, too, since we're coming up on that? Uh, the A's go to Seattle, obviously a good team, no, no longer really in it, but uh, uh, they've given the A's trouble certainly early in the year. Uh, and then Anaheim again to finish up. Well, the A's didn't finish their last trip uh, too well with the games in St. Pete's. They seemed uh, a little behind the eight ball against uh, the up-and-coming Rays. 
who did some bullpenning of their own, right? But uh, I, I think Seattle and Anaheim, they're both going to want to be spoilers in this situation. But I think uh, Oakland plays well enough on the road that they won't be, uh, uh, you know, distracted, I think. And I think the focus, even with these young guys who never tasted important baseball in September, let alone October baseball, uh, I don't think they'll be distracted from the purpose. And the purpose is being at their best, uh, what is it, October 3rd, the Wednesday in New York. Yeah, and Anaheim's actually playing pretty well lately, and they've got a shot to finish at or even a little bit above 500 if they finish up strong. So they've got a lot to play for. Now, um, we've talked about guys who mean a lot for the A's today. We gave Stephen Piscotti the BBWAA Local Chapter Good Guy Award, uh, very well-deserved. He's been through a lot this year, and he's handled it just beautifully. But he's also been a guy that's a little bit under the radar, been one of the A's most important players. Bob Melvin was just talking about it today, you know, kind of a career year for Piscotti, and uh, people don't talk much about his contributions. He's down there in sort of like the sixth spot in the order, seventh spot, and he seems like he comes up with clutch hits. He makes great plays in the outfield. What have you thought about Piscotti this year? Well, what a classy guy. I really got to know him a little bit more this year than, you know, when he was in St. Louis, obviously. But, I mean, case in point, the opener, we're, we're going back to that uh, uh, game where the fan interfered, but the umpires were afraid to call anything, so they just let it go. And then the Angels rebound with a huge inning and blow the A's away in the end. But Piscotti could have thrown that fan under the bus like uh, Moises Alou did to Bartman in that, uh, that NLCS game in Chicago with, with Dusty Baker managing and the Cubs trying to get to their first World Series in forever. And Piscotti took the high road and said, listen, you can't blame the fan. We would have all done it. 95% of the stadium would have reached over uh, because that's instinct. That's your reflex. And when I ran that quote, a lot of people on Twitter said, well, not me, not me. Well, you don't know if it's not me because you were not in the moment. And you don't know really what's at stake. Sometimes things take over your mind. A lot of people who sit there all the time, yeah, they back off. But if you're not used to it, yeah, you know the rules. You've been reminded before the game. But she went down on a backhand. It touched her glove. Piscotti had to back off at the last minute to avoid uh, collision or whatever. Yeah, he probably would have caught it. Uh, yeah, they, what they should have done, because the bases were loaded, was uh, award the runner on third home, make it a sack fly. There would have been two outs, however, and it would have been a 4-2 lead instead of a 4-1 lead. The A's would have taken it. But Piscotti not only took the high road with uh, the fan, but said, you know what, I wasn't upset because I thought uh, uh, Trevino was going to strike out the side anyway. That's how much confidence I have in him. And I'm thinking, man, that's pretty cool of him to say because a lot of fans could have really been harsh on this woman, and they were to an extent. But I think he softened the blow a little bit. Yeah, uh, You know what? We, I always love the local guys. It's great to have local players on a team. It's kind of special. And uh, with the whole Piscotti story, with everything the family has gone through, having him here, he's a Pleasanton guy, played at Stanford, and him having this kind of spectacular year. The A's themselves are a fantastic story. Stephen Piscotti is one of the best stories in baseball. So that's been just, I mean, heartwarming, really, to, to kind of follow. And he's one of the many A's, I think, who are having uh, career years, you know, I mean, 
I mean, I look at Lowry, career year, Piscotti, career year. Uh, you know, Luke Roy's having a heck of a year. Obviously, the two corners, Chapman and Olsen, first full season, but they've been they've proven they're you know significant uh, contributors to the to the to the lineup in the defense. And uh, I, I think he's really a leader in right field, Piscotti. And uh, he, he really has a presence. Uh, I mean, he's a beast, by the way. When you look at him on, on the field, he doesn't look like he's six foot eight, two thirty. You know, <laughs> and then you walk up to him and say, "Oh my God, this guy!" You know, he's so, so gentle as a person, but but he, he's destructive on the field. Fun to watch, and and he's he's playing, I think, his best baseball of the year. Yeah, it's funny. He's definitely a bigger guy than you would think yeah. from watching him on TV or just seeing him out on the field. But uh, whereas Chris Davis is always kind of smaller <laughs> than what you might think that he would be, and and but in both cases, it's kind of a surprise. John, I think they're about to kick us out of the dugout, so um, that's it for this edition of the of uh, Shea Hay. Uh, for this week, and we will talk to you going into the final week of the season. One of these days, it's going to be you, me, Dave Feldman. We will sit down, and the three of us will hash out all things A's. We keep promising, but someday. Someday. That'll be something for all of us to look forward to. Thanks, John. Thanks. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. I'd love it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to A's Plus wherever you get your podcasts. This show is produced by King Kaufman and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser and get all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. 